What's up, y'all? Kevin Wagstaff here. Today's episode is with Dave Adams, and he reached out to me with an amazing email, um, you know, six, seven paragraphs of background and just a great story of where he's been and what he's been through, um, you know, including an amputation of his leg and doing an inspection shortly thereafter, riding his Harley, just things that the average inspector probably has not been through and so it's a pretty amazing story and he's incredibly vulnerable and transparent and authentic with the highs and lows that he's been through throughout his career so i encourage everyone to uh to listen to this one and then think about how you can incorporate that into your own uh, life and business because i think that level of authenticity and, and, and being that vulnerable just makes you like people and feel closer to them and, and trust people more so a refreshing thing um but yeah hope you enjoy and as always guys let me know if you have ideas for guests or, or people or industries you'd want to hear from always reach out to me um and thank you to everyone that continues to listen and send me notes um and notes of encouragement really appreciate you guys and uh, that's the reason why we keep this going thanks well yeah we'll get rolling from here um but Dave, thank you so much for reaching out initially. Um, and the background you sent me was amazing. You sent me the best pre notes of anyone ever. So that's really cool. So you already stood out there. Um, but yeah, how you said COVID has been, been treating your area pretty well. So real estate's been on fire down there in South Carolina, just like ever, just like other places in the country. I take it. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of crazy, Kevin. We, uh, you know, I started this company in 2016, just myself. And, you know, in the first year I did 238 inspections, I think. It was amazing. And that was just from March the 27th through December. And then in uh, March of 2017, I hired a guy and I said, Hey, you know, I'm just going to give you one inspection a day. So we see how this goes. And he trained with me for about a month and, the first week he was on his own, Kevin, we ended up with him doing two inspections every day. And we were up to two or three o'clock in the morning because we were still learning the reports and still learning how to say things. And we go back and look at those reports now. And, and I'll be honest with you, it, I'm lucky I even have a business, to be honest with you, because of the, <laughs> way we've, the way we've grown and matured both as company and as inspectors. And right now I've got six licensed inspectors two guys training and two more coming on and we're, we're 10 days out at any given point. And that, while that's a nice problem to have, it, it's still a problem, but you know, our reports and our language and the way we do things and the way we treat people is how we've grown. And you talk about the background I sent you and you know, I, it's, it's kind of funny because right after I started the company and, and you and I have talked about this, I ended up in, in a real nasty divorce process. And um, I've listened to KC and we've talked and I've, you know, just, I decided throughout that process that what I was going to do was be transparent. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do with inspections anyway. You know, I didn't, I wanted people to know I didn't work for the realtor. I worked for the client. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that was really, important to me was to be transparent and to be me to not be fake and so i, I kind of chronicled my my nasty divorce on facebook and and what i found out was people were seeing this this growing company 
but they had a personal connection to me. And I never really intended it that way. Um, it just kind of happened, you know, it is a blessing that I never saw coming. And, you know, a, a lot of your guys, KC especially, talks about his faith. And, you know, my faith grew because, honestly, I didn't know if I was going to have a business after the divorce was done. So that went on for a couple of years. Um, and then, lo and behold, during the divorce, and a lot of people, you know, I can't express enough how every inspector out there needs to be safe because I actually got MRSA in a crawl space. And I'm diabetic, so, of course, in a diabetic, the you know, the feet's your weak point. Um, so I got MRSA, ended up having a couple of toes amputated. And yeah, and tell me what that is, because I'm unfamiliar with that. I saw that in the notes. That can, and for people out there that don't know what that is, tell us. Well, basically, it's an antibiotic-resistant staph disease. Okay. And um, I picked it up, you know, some whether it be dirt or, or whatever under the crawl space. Um, you know, if you have an area of skin that's not, you know, if you got a little, just a small scratch, just some way for it to get in. Um, and it's MRSA is, is the abbreviation for it. I could say the words, but as you can tell, my Southern tongue won't pronounce things <laughs> like that. Um, but man, I fought that for two years. And in June of this year, I went in and they were going to amputate just part of my foot. And I'd felt bad for, for almost three years. I fought it for two and I had central lines in my chest and my arms at different point, getting antibiotics, working the whole time, getting divorced the whole time and just, just journaling it on Facebook. And the business just kept coming. You know, we, we went from the 238 I did to the 781 the next year and then 994, Last year we did twelve hundred and twenty-three, wow. and and this year we're on track to do almost two thousand. And it 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 goes back to just having faith and building relationships. But back to the leg thing. So, in June twenty-fifth of this year, they uh, they said, "Well, you know, we're going to cut off the last half of your foot, and and you know, hopefully that'll take care of it." And I, I just stopped them. I said, "No, look." everything I've gone through the last two or three years, um, we're going to take it off below the knee. We're going to take my right leg off below the knee because I feel bad. I'm always tired and I've got a life to live and that's what we're going to do. And they said, well, we don't know that we can do that. You know, that there has to be medical reasons for it. So we'll have to have a, a peer review type thing. And, so they had it the next day and the local hospital here had 10 vascular surgeons and it was a vote of six to four to amputate my leg below the knee. So wow. on June 27th, they amputated my leg. Now, I'm, again, I'm back to still being lucky to have a business because that's during COVID and apparently I had my phone with me and was texting people the next few days and probably shouldn't have been with the drugs I was on. <laughs> but, uh, but we recovered from that as well. And I got my prosthetic on uh, September 4th. The three days after they cut my leg off, they said, so what's your goal? And I said, well, I'm going to ride my Harley Labor Day weekend. And they said, no, we, we don't think we'd make that happen. And I said, well, you're missing something. You asked me what my goal was. That's my goal. I'll make it happen on my side. If you can't do it on yours, you figure it out and make it. Because that's what we're going to do. 
So I got my leg on September 4th at 10 o'clock in the morning. And at that time I could only wear it uh, an hour a day, twice a day. So I went home from getting it and I was still using a cane, but I rode my Harley for 30 minutes that day. And for 30 minutes, twice every day, that whole Labor Day weekend. And, you know, we talk about business and not wanting to, not wanting to be real or, you know, I've got a, a friend who he's real big on the image of his business and, mm-hmm. you know, image is one thing, but authenticity is a whole nother. And people see me as somebody that, you know, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And they have personal connections with me because I've, I've shared all that stuff. And, you know, some of it wasn't real easy, Kevin, because, you know, dealing with your, your health issues and personal issues, but being willing to be vulnerable to other people and share that information. You know, if, if I was going to tell anybody how to grow a business, it, it would be do something that you have a passion for, but more importantly, be yourself, let people know what they're getting. And uh, that's kind of what brought us to Spectora. Um, and as far as work, like, I mean, you know, I've had my leg now about six weeks and I did two inspections today. <laughs> so, wow. Um, I have to jump in for a second because this is just mind blowing in one sense, like the year you've had, um, you know, in the, in the last couple of years, really, um, so much to dig into. So for one, thank you for even reaching out and kind of sharing this amazing story. I know we're just getting started talking about it, but just the authenticity and transparency. It's something that just, I think we can both admit home inspectors. It doesn't come natural. Most still won't do it even after hearing this story, but like it's hard. There's a reason why most people don't share details and personal stuff, like really deep stuff, right? Like it could, because it's difficult. What, what, what kind of um, like, I kind of want to get into your mindset or or kind of where you were at when you just decided, you know, what were you thinking? Was there, was there any nervousness or anxiety of like when you just kind of started getting more personal, you know, on Facebook? Well, it, it was strange, really, because if after the first couple of, t- I didn't think anything about it. it. To me, in my heart, it just felt like the right thing to do. Sharing, opening it, up, yeah. I thought it fit with my personality. I thought it fit with the business of being transparent, mm-hmm. um, not hiding things. You know, I, I tell clients all the time, look, your realtor don't like for me to say this, but I really don't care if you buy the house or not. <laughs> yeah. You know, my job is to be honest with you and educate you on the home, not to make you feel good or feel bad, but just to give you an objective third party view. So with that being my mindset, that was why I decided to do it. And the immediate response that I got from the couple of employees that I had at the time and from some of the, the friends in the real estate community was you're going to destroy your business. People don't want to see that. They, they don't want to, to know that kind of stuff. And I kind of made the decision then that if it destroyed my business, that that was okay because it's who I was. And if, if people didn't appreciate that or if people didn't, want to know that part of me and it destroyed my business, then, you know, the good Lord would take care of me and, and I wouldn't worry about it. So I went into it with no fear and it was more of me. It was part of my healing process 
um, it was part of me dealing with the grief of all those things. And I still do it to this day. Um, you know, I put it out there and, and if you go look at, you know, I've started doing a blog and some of it's about home inspections and I try to tie it into life somehow. And at the end, and, you know, I just try to be a good person and offer people value. You know, that the old business term where there's got to be a value exchange and well, I don't much care for that term because to me it's kind of impersonal. Um, I think you have to be willing to give of yourself. And if you can demonstrate to people that you have the heart to do that and that your motives are pure, then I think they're going to nat be naturally drawn to you. But here's, a, here's another thing, Kevin. One of the first inspections I ever did, well, I won't say one of the first. It was probably between 150 to 200 in that first year. Mm -hmm. I missed a big problem on a house, completely missed it. And lady moved in, she called me and I ended up paying $14,000 to fix that house. And I paid it out of pocket. And I immediately started telling that story to agents. Now that was last half of 2016. Miss Franks is the client's name. And I tell you why I remember Miss Franks is because to this day, she is our single greatest client in terms of referral. Hmm. Now she could have sued us. And in South Carolina, the limited liability clause has been in the contracts been upheld by the state Supreme court. So she would have got the cost of the inspection back. And I went to her and met with her face to face. And I, I said, Miss Franks, I'm sorry as I can be. I said, but you're absolutely right. I, I missed it. So what I would like for you to do is get three quotes from contractors of your choice and you pick whichever one you want to, to fix it and I'll pay. You. And she did that. Of course she chose the most expensive one, but I couldn't much argue that point. Um, but you know, I started sharing that with agents because it, that was, I guess really where my transparency began to be honest, Kevin is, Agents love to hear that story that I would stand behind the work. Oh, the statement that makes, you know, cause everyone can say words of what they're going to do, but you did it and you show, you know, you put your money where your mouth is and that that's a reputation that doesn't, that doesn't go away. I think that single greatest miss that we've, that I've ever had, and it was me that did it. Um, I think that, taught me so much about this business about just putting it out there and being honest because you know the the other thing i thought about kevin in terms of being transparent was if i'm transparent then i get to control the conversation mm. you know I, I get to have the conversation that i want to have and then even if i get asked uncomfortable questions it's still on my terms because i'm prepared for it because i'm the one that brought it up Right. That's a great way to think about it. I don't think many people frame it that many people don't think of it in that way. Yeah. I mean, this business is about people and you know, I, I mean, I love what I do and I love the people that work for me. I pay them too much. And you know, if you, if you hire people and I'll tell you what, what we do later, if you want to get into it because they're very loyal and they do a great job because we take care of them. Um, but it, if, this is a people business. We're looking at houses, but 
think of the level of trust that these people who have most likely never met you are placing in you. And man, if you don't honor that or, or realize or value that trust, then, you know, it, it maybe home inspections aren't for you. Completely agree. Completely agree. We have to, and we repeat that a lot on this podcast because it has to hit home with people is that you guys aren't just come in, jot a few notes down, send them with their report and on their way. And that's the end of it. It's a real people emotionally charged transaction. How, did that just come natural to you when you got in the business? Cause I, you were looking at your history. It's like paramedic firefighter. Like these are, it probably it, sets you up well, I'm guessing your history. It, it probably set me up to some extent, but you know, if I had done this 10, 15 years ago, um, I would never, never have gotten to this point because with age comes wisdom, you know, I'll be 50 years old next year. Congrats. And a lot of that, a lot of my people skills, well, 15 years ago, man, I mean, I, you know, I was going to save the world 20 years ago when I was a first a paramedic, you know, I, I was going to rewrite world history. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of it just comes with growth and, and a lot of it comes back to my faith too. I, I've matured, I've grown up and, you know, it took me a while to get there. It's probably a good 40 years old before I figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up. But, you know, all those experiences have culminated. And then I've also had some great mentors in, in prior jobs. Um, I don't know if he'll, if he'll ever even hear this. I may send it to him, but there's a guy named Kevin Murray, uh, works for a company called Mission Critical Partners out of State College, Pennsylvania. And he gave me a chance after my uh, EMS and fire career was over to do consulting work for FBI, DOJ, FEMA, mm -hmm. different public safety agencies. And, and Kevin's just a visionary. So he taught me so much about how to relate to people and, and how to put yourself in their shoes and how to understand it from their perspective and to really not make it about you. And, you know, I credit Kevin with that all the time. And in fact, our core values, if you looked at our website, our core values are stolen from, from uh, Kevin and, and Mission Critical Partners when he and some other guys started that company because those values are those that he instilled in me. So I've had mentors along the way that, that have helped shape that, that heart, if you will, for wanting to serve others. Oh, I love that. I'm, I actually just pulled up your site now. Um, I had looked at it before, but... Um looking for these, some of these values, what are some of those values? Let's, uh, well, the, the main core value that we live by is, is what I call P to P and P to P is just kind of an acronym for, um, prudence, persistence, trust. Um, I never say I'm right in order. Um, so let's, let's talk about what the order is actually persistence, never give up, have a passion for your work and satisfying your client's needs. Mm. Uh, integrity, okay. do, do what is right. Not what is easy. Uh, be ethical and honest truth over harmony. And, and that truth over harmony comes back and speaks in, in large part to the being transparent. Uh, 
trust, trust in your team, commit to earn their trust, follow the golden rule, respect clients, coworkers, and family, accountability, be accountable to staff, clients, and yourself, do what you say, follow through, exhibit an ownership mentality. And then prudence, combine understanding with forethought, listen to what others are saying before responding. And, you know, as we've grown, I think we have four official company policies now. And um, if I cannot tie one of those policies directly to one of our core values, then it doesn't need to be a policy. Oh, man. This, see, this stuff right here is gold because this isn't normal for our industry. I think you've, re- you've come to realize that. And that's why I'm so happy you're talking about this stuff because I think the average person hears about this stuff with giant companies, right? You're like, oh, Google has all these, these values and these mission statements, but like you've done this and laid it out and just tying it to the everyday actions that your team takes. Um, this is making me smile because I love this kind of stuff because I think some people see it as fluff. I see it as like what dictates how you behave every day, your values, it's your norms. It's well, and that's exactly what it is. You know, we have an employee code and um, that employee code is how we're going to act, how we're going to react and how we're going to treat people. And, and, you know, you can say it applies to big companies, but if you don't have a plan and you don't work that plan, for example, um, we've started, I don't know if you're familiar with gazelles, um, one page plans, quarterly plans, annual plans, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've used those since the very beginning. And we've recently, I brought those down to the team level so that they know what we're doing, when we're doing it and why some of what they have in the past considered to be these quirky things. I say why I'm saying them because you know, we, we have steps to get there. And what was so interesting, Kevin, and this was so cool for me to realize. So I went back and I looked at the very first financial spreadsheet and sales forecast that I ever did. And this, it took me eight months of planning this business and building my template before I started it because I knew I wanted it to be different. I projected first year sales of $94,450. <laughs> You know what they were? Huh? $96,450. What went into that projection? How, like, I haven't heard of anyone nailing that, that close. Like, <laughs> Dude, I have no idea. I'll be <laughs> honest with you, it was a complete fluke. <laughs> um, just a complete fluke. I, I don't know how I got so close. Um, but even down to the number of inspections, the number of radon tests, the number of, of septic dye test or sewer scopes or the number of, of termite letters, all of those things were within 10% that first year. And I never realized that until about a month ago. No kidding. Did you, was yeah. your second year, did you follow it up with a good second year projection that hit? No. And I'll tell you why, because <laughs> the second year I projected we would do 181,000. And we actually did 281,000. You blew those away. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. your second year was like insane growth going from 200 and something inspections to 700 and something. Well, and every year like that has been the same. So I, I don't know, you know, I haven't done financial projections in a while because frankly, I don't know how to account for it. Um, 
So I, now what I do is just based, I, I have what I call capacity and quality in my mind. And, and when I'm hiring somebody, it has to be for either capacity or quality. And the way I determine capacity and quality is this. All right, are we losing enough work that I need the capacity to be able to pick up that work? And do I have someone in the pipeline that fits our mold and our culture that can provide me that capacity? So if those things merge and align, then I'm going to improve my capacity by hiring that person. And then the second thing I look at is quality. Is our capacity so great that it's affecting our quality because if everybody's running crazy and no one can focus on what they're doing, then our quality will suffer. Mm -hmm. And I don't want my quality to suffer because of capacity, nor do I want my capacity not to meet my quality. So, there's a constant battle and a constant struggle between those two elements of the business and balancing them. And the thing that I've been able to do, and this is why I went to Spectora recently. And, you know, we talked, we moved to Spectora the week after the tragic Sunday. Mm -hmm. Which very hard thing to do. Yeah. We said, we saw signups come in and we're like, wow, that we didn't expect this. <laughs> and, we're going to tell you what we're going to do about, uh, about this recent blip. Yeah. But the thing is you said what we're going to do and you know what, there's going to be problems. And just like I have certain expectations or like clients have certain expectations of us, we as inspectors have certain expectations of our vendors mm -hmm. and you got to be there for us, you know? Yeah. And, and I saw that you did that. Now, was it to everybody's delight? Absolutely not. But, you know, you can't make everybody happy. And you, you, you just do the best you can and try to make the best decision so it doesn't happen again. Again, and that's very much similar, Kevin, to that capacity quality discussion, right? Yep. You're living it. As your company grows, you're having to figure out, do I have the capacity to handle this? And how does it affect my quality if I drop the ball? Where did that framework come from, from you? Like, where did you, did you get that from somewhere? Or did, is that just like kind of how that's, inspired? that's life inside of my dark mind, Kevin. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't settle for anything and, and I'm a thinker and I'm a doer and, and that's just the terms I came up with to describe what it is I need. Now it may be out there somewhere. I've never seen it. I didn't adopt it or steal it from anybody. Um, <clears throat> but those are the, those are the two things, but it goes to this. The one thing I've been able to manage to do is duplication of services. I can send any of my inspectors out there and we're all gonna inspect that house the exact same way. So the power that Spectora gives me and that gives our inspectors is the ability to redistribute that template instantly. If we make changes and we've made a bunch since we started and continue to refine it every day, 
that template, rather than having to, to get on somebody's computer and do it or log in remotely and do it, which is what I was doing before. And then you got to find them when they're home after work hours. And, you know, it gives us the ability to refine that duplication of services so that no matter which inspector goes out there, they know the report they're going to get is going to be the same. So what that allows me to do, and you take it a step further, is as we're talking with clients on the phone, we're then able to match that inspector's personality with that client's personality. That's big. I like that. So if I can get everybody on the same page, doing the same thing, the same way every time, and then I can adjust the schedule so that I can accommodate personality types, dude, that's huge. Yeah. 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 And I, I just love all the different ways you think about this stuff because it is unique and it, and it does have a structure and a, and a purpose to all of it. Let's talk about the team, like how you've grown your team. There's um, some notes here. It sounds like you provide great benefits, 401k profit sharing, a great living, like, where did that approach come from? Because it's literally the opposite of how a lot of inspectors think when they try to bring someone on, they don't give them much. They try to, you know, they just treat them like a cog in the machine and that's just not the way to do it. Well, here's, here's the deal. Um, it's kind of funny because it, it's morphed into a lot of my guys are full-time firefighters and full-time inspectors. Ah. Never saw that coming. Never saw it coming but it's a great fit because they're used to dealing with people, as you said, in emotionally charged situations, they're great communicators, they're hard workers, but also I can teach anybody to inspect a house, but I can't teach character. Right. So if I'm hiring people of good character and I'm willing to make the investment in them because of their character, then why shouldn't you pay them well? If you can't trust them to go out there and do their job, why are you making an investment in them? Plain and simple. It just doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, and, and other inspectors and, and other business owners may tell me I'm crazy, but my guys start out at 50% and it's production based and they're employees. Um, they get a cell phone. Be, and, and the reason for the cell phone is simple. I own the number. So if at some point they decide to leave, I own the number. The calls still come to me. Right. Um, they're, non, they're under very strict non-compete and NDA uh, non-disclosure agreements and non-solicitation agreements. Um, but they start at 50%. They, the company pays 95% of the employee's health insurance. Um, for example, you know, Jackie, the young lady I was talking about earlier, um, she's a straight full-time inspector. She, she's absolutely awesome. And she knows I say this, so I'm not divulging anything. Um, but my average full-time inspector will make somewhere around 90 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. Unbelievable. Amazing. And then, and then she pays $45 a month for health insurance, for dental insurance, vision, 
It's $45 a month. And it's not just any health insurance, Kevin. Her deductible is 2000 bucks. It's not one of these high deductible plans. Her go to her primary care doctor, it's $5. Go to a specialist, it's $50. Get a prescription, it's $5. The brand name's $25. Then, you know, it's, it's vision insurance, dental. The company provides them $50,000 life insurance. And then in April of next year, our 401k profit sharing plan will start. They'll have the option to, uh, to contribute to like a traditional 401k uh, with a company match of up to 3%. And then there, there'll also be some profit sharing monies put in there. But what that does is it, in, it allows these people to make a very nice living. And that makes them kind of beholden to us. I mean, man, if somebody comes in and tells me they're buying a house or a new car, that's like a great day because I know they're going to be around a while. Exactly. Um, but it creates a loyalty. And when we hire somebody new, it, very few people make it through. And, and admittedly, we kind of treat them bad. It's kind of like a boot camp. We, we bust them pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But once they get licensed and they're on their own, then they're part of the team. And it, it's like a family, you know, you don't say anything bad about them. We can, but you better not. Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing that. And it, it's the hard, it's like kind of like you're one of your values. It's the hard thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. And you're going to have people that are loyal to you and really are owners of the business. Cause you want every, you know, every, owner's dream is to have their employees act like owners and do things as if they own the business. Um, well then incentivize them to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's what I've got a friend who, who we do a lot of business with and he's more about putting the money in his own pocket than he is his. And he tells me I pay my people too much. And I'm like, well, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but I don't have near the problems you do. I'm like, <laughs> What do you mean? I'm like, my people show up on time. They do what they're supposed to do. They don't cause problems. You know, and, and Kevin, we, we recently, and this is another thing, Stuart, who was the first guy I hired, he's now kind of the operations manager. We're beginning to get a management structure in place. Mm -hmm. um, and he gets a car allowance. And then Jackie has a company truck. And she's kind of our lead inspector. Um, and I've had other local inspectors try to recruit them. And, and they're like, no, why would I ever do that? <laughs> so you know if you, if you're going to hire somebody make it worth their while to hire them don't hire them if you don't have enough work for them but take care of them and they'll take care of you don't worry about lying in your own pockets i like the way you worded it calling you know you mentioned you used the phrase economic engine and that was in reference to you know the core home inspection business but i think employees that are incentivized well that perform well they're kind of the engine that drives things further and i think we can't get to where we want to go as owners without them um well kevin i have realtors that call inspectors directly to schedule inspections and some of my peers go, that's crazy. I don't want them to have that kind of relationship because then they could leave me. But the fallacy is really in that, that business owner going, well, then they could leave me. Not that the realtor, that the inspector has that type of relationship themselves, 
the fallacy is you obviously don't think you're taking good enough care of them that they would want to stay. <laughs> and you have to think about that yourself. You know, I want my people to know that a, I care about them because they're not an expense. They're the most important asset that we have. And it is a, we, um, you know, I'll even go so far as to tell you this, and it, it's probably, you know, maybe I shouldn't go there, but after my divorce was final, you know, if something were to happen to me and I were to die, Kevin, the, the proof's in the pudding because Jackie and Stuart get my business. Yeah. That's they've helped. They've helped me build it. That's powerful. And they know that, I mean, we know we fight like brother and sister privately, but publicly you will not find a, a more complete <laughs> and respectful team, but behind closed doors. Oh, it's pretty ugly sometimes, <laughs> but that's how you bond. That's how you grow up. You know, when you can come back to the table after those, that's it's how the, you get better. That's how you get better. Yeah. You're going through the ringer as a team. I love this. I love getting into this stuff and digging in because this doesn't get talked about enough. Um, just these nebulous values and how you treat people and how you incentivize them and having them be part owners or um, beneficiaries, things like that. And you wonder why, like you said, you don't have those problems of people, um, you know, not doing the right things. Um, let's talk a little about, you know, you mentioned raising revenue per inspection. Very fascinating to me because it's, it's something inspectors struggle with. They never want to raise prices. They never want to add services sometimes. Um, or they're, they're hesitant, you know, whereas it sounds like you hired a rock star admin have been doing, you know, doing upsells rate. And you, this is why you can pay your people well, right? Because you have all these services on your website that I'm looking at here. Well, and that, that's the whole thing. Freda has been a godsend. Um, she just joined us this year. And since she joined us, she, we have seen and. I don't know the exact number right off top of my head. Um, but somewhere around 12% this year, I think is the number year to date. And she is just an upselling queen. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> um, we added sewer scopes this year and, and I hired a guy part-time. He, his full-time job is he drives multi-million dollar robots down the big city sewer lines, Whoa. but he's, he's certified for, for not only the, the big municipal main lines, but for small municipal lines and for residential laterals. So, you know, he, we hired him and man, he's a great feel good story. The guy's been out of prison three years, Kevin. He went to prison for drugs. He was got involved with the wrong people, but he got out of prison. He got his life right. And he would do anything in the world for anybody. And, and, you know, we gave him a chance. The, one of the local sewer districts gave him a chance. And it's just been phenomenal. Um, so he goes out and does those for us in the evening. And the numbers are just incredible. And it's because the office staff, we spent the time getting, getting Frida up to speed on what it is a home inspector does. You know, when, when I hired her, I said, look, first thing you got to do is you got to spend time on inspectors. You're going out in the field. Mm -hmm. Got to know what they're doing. Um, 
and you know, we, we just, we try to be a one-stop shop, not give them a reason to call anybody else. And then, you know, I, I don't price match. If somebody calls me and says, well, Hey, such and such can do it for this on this day, then, you know, well, then you need to call such and such because this is my price. And that's what I believe we're worth. And we're not the most expensive, but we're not the cheapest either. But when you can combine everything into one and then be able to deliver time and time again so that that client or that transaction coordinator or that realtor only has to make one phone call for everything they need and they know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's going to get done, it's a no-brainer. And tell me if I'm wrong here, but... I just everything we've talked about so far, your values, the way you communicate, the way your team communicates a, a cohesive experience, no matter who you get, um, all the services under one roof. It's like, that's, that's the things that give you the confidence to stand by your price and to be able to increase prices over time to account for your experience and the value you're adding. It, it's hard. It's not easy. A lot of inspectors don't have that brand and it sounds like you have a brand. Well, and that's, that's very much what I have really focused on. We went through a rebranding and the website you see at www.pro-techinspections.com. After I had my leg amputated, I rebuilt that website myself. Um, no kidding. Nice work. Yeah. It's all mine. It's my own content. There's so a much lot content. of hours in it. Love it. And the thing is, my goal was to get on the first page of Google without paying somebody. And if you Google Greenville, South Carolina home inspector, we're the first non-paid home inspector that comes up. Everybody else is an ad. And that's through the blog and that's through constantly updating the website. You, as a business owner, you have to understand that you have to set yourself apart. And you are your business. People are doing business with your business because of you. And being a leader sometimes puts you alone, you know. And in the past, we tried to do some crazy stuff. <clears throat> but you talked about the economic engine. That comes from Jim Collins, good to great. Find out what it is that you do best and be the best at it. Um, so we just focus on home inspections. Now, you know, we do asbestos, lead base, meth residue, um, water quality, indoor air quality, you name it, we can do it. But it's all tied back to the one simple home inspection. That's where it all begins. And then you get someone like Frida that comes in and can understand it. And I'll tell you the other thing that helps, and, you know, my accent is no doubt where I was born and raised. Frida's from New York. Mm. And Frida is not afraid to ask you to do business with us. And that's what it boils down to. She's not afraid to go, hey, your realtor talked to you about the radon inspection. You really need a radon inspection done. Upstate of South Carolina is one of the highest radon concentrations in the U.S. And, hey, is that house on a septic tank or has it got a, a sewer line to the street? Sewer line to the street. Oh, let me tell you, we had a guy call us recently. He had a home inspection. He didn't get his sewer scope and it cost him $45,000 because they had to dig up the street in front of his house for only $250. We can do your sewer scope. She is not afraid to ask. And it, it's, 
driven our revenues per inspection great. And if you don't know those numbers in your business, if you don't know what it costs you to do an inspection with your employee and your distance by mile and, and maintenance on your vehicle, if you don't know that number, then how are you ever pricing your services? Exactly. Like no, like still to this day, I think half of inspection companies don't know their numbers and don't know how to be profitable. And I think that's the maturing of our industry that we're going through. I think like people, you know, business people getting into home inspections like you that spread the word companies like IEB are helping, you know, companies formalize and kind of do that better. But gosh, you can't know your numbers well enough. Well, I mean, you have to know them. You, you have to know them in any business you start. And you may have all the, the trade knowledge you'd ever need to be a great home inspector. But if you can't manage your business and manage your people and you don't know the numbers, the best thing you can do is pay somebody to help you know those numbers. Right. Because it's not in everybody's skill set, and that's okay. But understand what your weaknesses are. So that brings up a point early on, and we talked about this offline, Kevin. Early on, one of the things that, that we did to set ourselves apart was I engaged a clinical psychologist. And when I say that to people, they look at me, you know, kind of like I got three heads. <laughs> but to this day, I meet with her every quarter and we just randomly select 10 reports. And she goes through those reports and looks at the language that we use. So she takes the language that we use and she, she really kind of filters through at an eighth grade level what it is that we're actually saying in our reports and how will what we are actually saying be received by the reader. So it, it gives us someone with, with far more knowledge about personal traits and, and perceptions and, you know, a, a, a psychology background that's able to evaluate our language. And that is the single most important thing that I've probably ever done for the company. And it, it goes back to it. It was someone I was actually seeing during my divorce. It was a life coach to kind of, to keep me on track and to, to, to keep me kind of centered outside of all the craziness that was in my life. So, what we do then is, is we implement those changes, but before we implement them, then I send it to my insurance guy and I send it to our, our attorney and I say, Hey, here's what's being recommended. Insurance company, do you approve of this? And they will say yes or no. And then I take it a step further, send it to my attorney and say, Hey, can you defend this? And he'll say yay or nay. And then after it goes through that checks, if, if the insurance company's willing to pay out on it, if something bad happens and the attorney's willing to fight it in court, if something bad happens, then it becomes a part of our template and we change that language. I love this process. So for one, the, the, the clinical psychologist angle, never heard of that before, which is amazing. I love hearing new stuff, stuff that just, you know, breaks me out of the, the monotony. How did you come up with that or what, what led you 
to do that in the first place? Well, it, like I say, it was, it was a psychologist that I was seeing during my divorce to kind of help. I felt like I needed some coaching to keep my head straight. Um, had all kinds of things coming at me from different angles, both professionally and personally. And I needed just an independent third party that could, could keep me grounded and keep me whole and keep me focused on those things that were important. And, you know, at that point it was, it was really more about life than business, but we were in there one day and we were talking, I had had a client calling craziest thing call and chew me out because we never gave them the report for their house that they bought and they were going to sue us. So I looked it up and we never did an inspection on that house. So I would, this happened right before I went in there. So frankly, I was kind of complaining about it when I went in there. I said, these people are crazy. <laughs> okay. All right. You know? And so she listened to me, let me vent a little bit. And it, we got to talking about what it is I did. And I asked her, I said, how do you even respond to somebody that crazy? And I was venting, you know, it wasn't the best thing to say. But she said, well, that's an interesting point. How, how would you respond? And that led us into a discussion about how we respond and talk with others and, and how we present ourselves and how things are perceived. And, and a light bulb went off in my head and I said, wait a minute. I said, can I email you a home inspection report? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, we're talking about how the things we say are perceived and, and because I'm frustrated or because I'm irritated at the moment, I don't feel like you're hearing me. And she said, no, I'm hearing everything you say. It's just not, you're not saying what it is you want me to hear. And I'm kind of simple minded. And I thought, well, that's the craziest crap I've ever heard. I'm telling you exactly how I feel, but I wasn't because my mind was back on me. It was how I felt about the situation, not how the client or pseudo client felt. Mm -hmm. So it got us having this discussion about how things are said and how things are interpreted and how I could be better and, and how I could exhibit more empathy and how I could, could be, how could I use that opportunity to, to learn from it, I guess. So as we got to talking about it, I said, Hey, let me send you a home inspection report. I want you to look at the language in our reports. And I sent it to her and it was like two or three days later, she sent me back and said, Oh yeah, this needs work. And I said, well, are you telling me that because you won't work or are you telling me that because you can help me? <laughs> and she said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go through this one report and I don't know anything about homes, but I'm going to take the technical things or what I consider to be technical and I'm going to just change the language a little bit and I'm going to send it to you and see what you think. So she sent it to me and I looked at it and I'm like, you know, she just said that in a way that made so much more sense. She didn't dumb it down. If anything, she made it more robust 
by just simple language changes, where words were positioned or where, I mean, even how commas are positioned and how you introduce a sentence. And if you take that and then build the framework of the technical aspect of home inspections, the language cues that she's given us makes for a report that is so easy to read and understand that if they've met you on site and you've built credibility with them, that just really kind of seals the deal. Wow. So, it, I mean, it's, I can't explain it. I, I'm, I'm a black and white kind of guy and that's kind of in the gray area. But I do know that we're constantly told one of the reasons people continue to come back to us is because of how we write our reports. And, and I did trademark and, and copyright our format. Now, when I got started with Spectora, I did buy KC's template mm -hmm. um, because I want to see how other people do it. And, you know, KC's pretty close to me over in Tennessee, and we've talked about getting together. Um, and I started off the basis of KC's template building our own, but there was, there's, I've probably got three to 350 hours in our template um, to get it the way we had it with our previous provider and to get that language incorporated. Because I, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I, I guess that's really what that psychologist has taught me. Yeah. Um, and it's such an, an attention to detail that I don't think many, you know, just processing this on the fly here, most, I'm guessing most inspectors don't maybe dig down or even realize why they get callbacks or why people aren't understanding things that they're saying or writing. And it's all just a different form of communication and cleaning that up and having a third party look at it is such a underrated thing here. Thinking about the way you kind of stumbled into that and then took it very serious to say, Hey, and you and you removed your ego from it. That's what I'm getting from this is you went on this, you basically went on this journey that kind of removed the ego and said, Hey, how do I make this better? And then you did. Now it's a marketable thing. Now people, you know, people know you for it. Um, well, if you think about it though, Kevin, I mean, doesn't that kind of align with what our core values are? Because it's not about us. It's about that client. Exactly. So uh -huh. it's an extension of that. And if you ever make it about you, then, you know, you're probably short on whatever it is you're making because it, it's not about you. Um, you have to be willing to take that feedback. And, you know, sometimes it hurts, man. Sometimes it's, especially if you've got a dog in that fight and you've been with that dog a long time. And then all of a sudden somebody goes, why are you doing it this way? that's a hard pill to swallow, but it can be if you're willing to make yourself vulnerable and you see how we're kind of in my mind, anyway, we're bringing this all back to exactly where we started. <laughs> yep. You make yourself vulnerable. You be transparent, you be honest, you put others first and you know, that, that another thing you see on all these dang Facebook home inspector groups. Well, if it's not paid, I'm not going. Well, we do pay at closings. Um, any, 
I think I looked last night and this year we've got about $40,000 worth of paid closings out. Okay. Decent amount. Yeah. But you know, sometimes if the seller's paying closing costs, it can make a difference on whether or not that person gets in that house or not. And to me, I've never focused on the money. If you take care of people, the money will take care of itself. That because is they're going to want to pay you. That's a golden quote. That could even be the name of this episode. But I love that because it's funny. We always want to, um, especially in this you know day and age and time, want to have absolute statements of, oh, you should never do X or you should always do Y. And you just show that, yeah, sometimes you can't payment at closing and it works out fine. Right. I mean, it's, I love hearing well, examples. We get their card number and we, we validate the credit card to make sure that it's a valid credit card. Cause we've had people in the past, give us a fake, uh, a fake number. And then we have an addendum where they sign saying, Hey, I know I owe you regardless. And I think maybe twice this year we've had to, to tag somebody's credit card because they just wouldn't cooperate. I mean, I'll even offer them a payment plan. Just, you know, just make, just do something. And I mean, it, again, it just makes you real. It, 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 and it makes people want to use you and tell other people about you because it's so abnormal today to not make it all about yourself and to do what you say you're going to (laughs) do. It's amazing to me just hearing everything you've said pretty much up until now and kind of circling back to these these themes and these emotions and words, it's so far from the typical technician mindset of like, Oh, I know electrical panels. I'm going to tell you all about it. But like the ROI on the things you're telling me, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I can see hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars of business coming from these real human like qualities and you've lived it right. Like you've, you've seen the growth just from being authentic, being transparent, doing what you're going to say. And like, it's hard to coach and teach people that, right? Like it's a, you can't hire, you've got to hire based on character. That's what I told you. You know, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a circle, you know, Jim, uh, again, Jim Collins, good to great. You get that wheel moving and that, that wheel just continues to build momentum. So if you go to the website, you, uh, here's another thing. I mean, I could, I can do this all day long, Kevin. It, the overlay that pops up on the website. Did you see it? Me standing there in front of a tornado. Badass. Is what that All is. Right. All that. So here's the deal. I took that picture a couple of years ago out in Oklahoma. I go storm chasing every year. Uh, in the spring, I chase in Dixie Alley, and then I go for two weeks out Texas, Oklahoma in May, June, and I chase storms. I love it. It's an adrenaline rush. People know me for that here. Heck, if we get a tornado warning here, I've got realtors that'll text me and go, hey, do you know anything about this? Where's it going? <laughs> because I have the software on my computer that, and if there's a tornado warning here, odds are I have that software pulled up and I'm looking and, and, you know, I also do some work with the severe storms laboratory out there, some research on home construction and all that while I'm out there. So with my new prosthetic, because my prosthetics front and center in that picture with the tornado, right? Yep. So here's my prosthetic leg. Our new reports will blow you away. That's what it says. So it's storm chasing that I've known for my prosthetic leg that I just got and our new reports will blow you away. And I've got 
10,000 others that'll be coming, you know, like no one stands behind the, your report like we do, or we've got a leg up on so-and-so, or, you know, it's just about being real and having fun with it and be, being a joyful person. <laughs> that, that we may have to even end on that because that is just so well said. Um, you know, we got about five minutes here. I want to be mindful of your time coming up on an hour of, of rolling, but that lesson right there alone, I think to actually, and the thing is people can hear that, right? So, you know, anyone listening hears that and they're like, cool, I'm going to find more joy in the day and be authentic. But like, it's not that simple, right? Or else everyone would do it. And so I think it takes an awareness of getting out of the day to day, almost every day or every week and asking yourself these questions of like, Hey, am I, what am I doing to be vulnerable? What am I doing to put my clients first and do whatever it takes? Or, you know, like, what advice would you give to someone that says, gosh, I hear you, Dave, and it sounds like you're doing an awesome job, but how do I implement this in my life? Are you familiar with Cortez? Um, don't. Tell me more. Burn the boat. You know, Cortez pulled, pulled all of his boats up on a beach with his army, and they were severely, hugely outnumbered. And Cortez looked at his army and he told him, he said, burn the boats. And everybody's like, well, if we do that, how do we retreat? And the answer is, Kevin, you don't. If you burn, if you pull up on an island with your boats for a war and you burn the boats, you've only got one choice. <laughs> and that, that's my aggressive business mentality and the way I approach marketing, the way I approach everything I do that people don't see because failure is not an option. Never quit. You know, there's 10,000 cliches, um, but burn the boats. If I go all in with something like we went all in with Spectora because I see the writing on the wall from COVID video 360s you know we're one of a handful of companies using spector for 360s and it's in every one of our reports and the inspector said well what happens if we miss something i said well we go fix it because that 360 is going to tell on you but also when that client moves in and goes well there's a water stain on the ceiling wasn't there when we did the inspection here's the 360 photo so but I told my inspectors, and that's the analogy I told them, is I said, we're burning the boats because when you find you miss something and that 360 tells on you, we'll go fix it and we'll go make it right. We'll do the right thing. But I want that client to know that we're accountable to them. I want you to know that you're accountable to me, and I want you to know that I'm accountable to you. So we're going to burn the boats. <laughs> and if you don't put it on there in the report or you don't say anything about it, you didn't document it, you didn't do it. But that 360 will set us apart from that standpoint and it will make you a better inspector because you will be more careful, more purposeful and more mindful about what you do. I love it. I love it. That's leadership right there. Um, 
you know, I'm sure your inspectors appreciate and love working for you with just kind of this, the, the way you speak and the way you're leading them. Um, I love it. I'm all about this stuff, as you can tell. And I love that you mentioned Good to Great. I think everyone needs to read that book or listen to it if they haven't. Jim Collins, Good to Great. Um, it's been mentioned on the podcast once before, I think. Um, well, and they need to read anything they can get, even if it doesn't apply to your particular situation. Mm-hmm. It may not today, but it might tomorrow. And yep. and anything that you can put in your head that, I mean, everything you read and learn, that's not, that's not only an investment in you, it's an investment in your business. It's a tool. It's like Spector. It's like any other, you know, whatever circuit analyzer you use or whatever radon machine you use building your brain, building your mind, learning new ways of doing things. That is the single greatest tool that will differentiate your business from the other people that say, well, we've always done it that way. Do you have any other book recommendations while we have you here? Any, uh, anything you've read that's impacted your life? Um, it's a controversial book, but, uh, you know, Richard Marcinko that started SEAL Team 6, um, he has a leadership book out there. It's kind of like a guerrilla leadership book. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with a lot of the things he says. I don't know that I necessarily agree with a lot of the the uh, ways he goes about it. Um, I'm a I'm a little softer kind of guy than beating you over the head. Do it because I said so type of person. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I think he's got some good stuff in there. The 10 pillars of wealth is a book that I just finished. Um, you know, it talks about how to build wealth. And, um, one of the things I've got a website built, but, but I haven't really gotten to the point where I'm ready to launch it yet is inspector wealth, um, life by design. And, you know, wealth isn't about being rich. Wealth is about the quality of your life. Um, and I think that's what Spectora has given my inspectors is, is a better quality of life, getting reports done mostly on site. Um, there's another book out there, and it, it's a lot of what we talked about. It's by uh, Patrick Lencioni. It's called Getting Naked. And it's about a consultant who, um, who finally figures out what being a consultant is all about and putting yourself in other people's shoes. Um, if you haven't read getting naked by Patrick Lencioni, I would highly recommend it. It is, uh, absolutely one of the things that I try to do in my business. It's a great, it's kind of a fable, if you will, mm-hmm. about how to understand your client. Um, great book. And it's a real short, easy read. Um, and then, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss too, Kevin. I hope you don't boot me off for this one. But um, there's a book out there. People ask me all the time, what do you think about snakes and crawl spaces? And, and I tell them there's a book, my favorite book that I read tells me in the first chapter that uh, snakes are the lowest form of life. And that chapter is Genesis in the book of the Bible. So if you don't know it, then I would recommend taking a good look at that book too. Hey. Love it. It's a form of reading. It's something you can get something from. Um, yeah, I'm not opposed to anything that can teach you some type of lesson, regardless of what your faith is. You know, I think we all need to be open to what everyone else is consuming. So I love it. That, uh, 
I, re- I wrote some of those down. I'm going to try to link to all those in the description of this. So for those of you that are driving and listening, um, I'm going to link to some of these books and, and get the list from Dave here. But, but thank you for, for those. I think it, it's a common theme of these next level leaders and, and home inspection companies. A lot of them do read a lot. That's a very, very, very common thing. So well, you know, I read something one time, kind of pun there, not intended, um, that the average person reads like 12 books a year and the average CEO or leader reads 12 books a month. I believe it. So. I, b- I believe it. Um, we'll leave it at that. Um, well, Dave, thank you so much for making time for this and jumping on the phone and and dropping all this knowledge with us. Um, I know we kind of went all over the place, but this is a lot of good stuff for people to think about. And thanks to you for sharing your story. Obviously, um, you know, a lot of, you'll probably get a lot more follows and people, you know, checking in with you and wanting to, to network with you based on this, because I think it's rare in our industry. It's rare for, for men in our industry when you combine those two things to be vulnerable. And so I want to thank you and tell you that I'm glad that it's done wonders for your business as it should. I think it's exactly what was coming to you in a good way. Um, and hopefully you inspire other people to do the same. Well, and Kevin, we appreciate it and appreciate what Spector is doing for us. And, you know, I know it's not always easy on your side and, and, um, we appreciate what you're doing. I always enjoy hitting that little green bubble and the, the people there are so friendly and, and I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you today, sir. Absolutely. And you're one of those people too, where it's like you, you put out into the world, you get back what you put out into the world. And after getting to know you over this last hour, it's like, I, I tell us our support girls too. I'm like, some of these guys, it's so hard. You, you, you can't help, but enjoy it and be nice to them because they just put good out into the world. Even if something's going wrong, even if something's not perfect or ideal, if there's a bug. Um, and so I, yeah, we just appreciate guys like yourself. So thank you. Thank you, buddy. You have a good afternoon. And uh, like I say, I, I appreciate it. And anything I can do to help you or, or folks in our trade, I'd be more than happy to do. And pretty busy, but I'll get back to you. <laughs> right on. All right, Dave. We'll talk soon. Thanks. See you, brother. All right.